That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute. We are on a mission to watch, analyze, discuss, and greater appreciate Zack Snyder's Dawn of Justice one single minute at a time. I believe we have reached minute 34 in the film. We are, I think we are fully still in the musical montage as Lex's plan is coming together, and we are going to be wrapping up with that and then shifting over to Superman. And is this the first shot of Mercy here in the beginning? We had a smile from her previously and i believe okay. she i think actually she welcomed them into the basketball game yeah okay so this is just the first because she's got like she's pretty prominent here i mean exactly not that she ever has a super prominent moment but she's um kind of heavily featured i yeah um, and in the yeah i remember that in the in the trailer that was a, a shot that really stood out and kind of got some theories cooking as to mercy's role and what she could be carrying uh we know what she's carrying now and we are about to find out what lex's plan is because as we know he wants Zod's body, and in this minute, he gets it. It's cherry. This minute, I, I really like it. I feel like it's kind of following on top of what we talked about with Lex, you know, being kind of like ridiculous might be too strong, but the little pantomime, you know, going on about... Um, his music and his clothing, and now we see him like playing with his food almost in in both the scientific you know cutaways and when we come back to him with Senator Barrows, like literally, he's kind of yeah. I can't put my finger on exactly like you're right. Ridiculous is not an appropriate enough word, but I remember you were commenting on his getup in one of the the last episodes. Yeah. I think the the very last one, just about the way that he's dressed. And this once he puts on the lab coat, it just oh. takes it to the next level. And that the polka whole- dots. Yeah. Yeah. And his whole, there's like a, is it like a mad scientist thing yeah. going on? And you, I feel almost like, like the Zimmer theme is actually in the movie mm. where like, I feel like he's got, got it like piping through the speakers. Totally. And like this, this is a moment he's like rehearsed in his head. Cause it's almost like he's conducting, right? Yeah. The way he's like moving. He, maybe he does that literally. And so maybe I'm not, I don't the know if come, I'm come, 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 come. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it feels very much like he's, he's a puppet master. He's, he's a conductor. It's all sorts of evokes a lot of different sort of things like that where he's, you know, obviously he's pulling, pulling strings. And this is one of the big first puzzle pieces that he really puts on the, or chess pieces, if you will, that he puts on the board. Hey, obviously we know what his end game is here with Zod, but we see him now very expertly cutting off his fingerprints with use of his, um, itty bitty rock doing what it does best, cutting, General Zod. Uh, we don't find out until later exactly why he's doing that. Correct. But since we are seeing it here, do we know how he knows that that's a thing that he needs? I assumed that he gained this knowledge after gaining access to the Kryptonian ship as requested. Okay, so we're assuming that he went in. And so this, this montage suggests maybe, maybe weeks have gone by or something where he. Sure. There are parts of the ship that cannot be accessed and they don't yeah. know why, but he or does. Or they've got all sorts of other Kryptonian tech. So I wonder if, if yeah. he's encountered sort of fingerprint scanners elsewhere and he, 
and Zod is the first person he was able to get a hold of. That would be yeah. a cool prequel comic if, like, they got a hold of somebody else's. Did everybody else go into the Phantom Feora. Zone? Or is, there, is Feora's body out there somewhere? I believe most of them should have gone into the Phantom Zone, unless one of them, like, jumped. <laughs> yeah. Because that would be kind of a cool prequel comic where it's like they're not genetically, um, you know, because they like they don't have the right genes to become a doomsday or like they don't have the right clearance with their fingerprints and Zod does or something. That's an interesting, um, that'd be sort of an interesting backstory there, but I'm obviously fleshing that out on my own here. Instead, we just get, we get Zod transported in a box. And I will point out just for anybody who's curious uh, or who's a trivia nut as much as I am, we heard um, the... Doctor previously referred to Emreed. That is the United States Army Medical Research Institution Institute of Infectious Diseases. So it would make sense that they would quarantine basically Zod's corpse. I always I'd love the image of little Lex standing over Michael Shannon's amplified body. That is, you know, yeah. someone who is as big as Superman and Lex just you know, little next to him in a lab coat. There's something so creepily like Dr. Frankenstein-y about it. Like you kind of said yeah. the mad scientist. I think it really works, especially with, with the music and, and like imagining these scenes in the context of what he does to Zod. Like it's a very neat, uh, like literally a Frankenstein's monster, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's one of the moments, I mean, this is very much a comic book movie, but people sort of use that term to describe I feel like they kind of embrace a certain type of comic when they when they describe comic book as a genre. Sure. And this is something that, you know, obviously bleeds over from the last minute also. But I feel like it's one of the first minutes, or not one of the first minutes, but one of the, one of the spots in the movie where it fits in the tone of everything else, but it kind of really embraces that whole, yeah. like, this is very comic book villainy. And I think, and maybe that's why, you know, they did the song that way also, was just to be like, look, he's being a comic book villain now. Let's he's not villain, try to, yeah. Snyder had talked with us about how there were some scenes like trying to get Bruce and uh, Clark to talk more in in suit. And he was like, it just right. didn't quite work with this tone, you know, to do as much, you know, to do like the heat diner scene that he wanted to try to figure out. With these two guys in capes. Yeah, exactly. And so you got to wonder almost if he's like, well, no, this, we can't, like, this has to be in there. Mm -hmm. And so let's just call it what it is and put in this, make him a comic book villain for yeah. this scene. And I love it. Yeah, I approve I think we we end our mission there with the with the fingerprints taken and Lex's plan coming together. He pops that Jolly Rancher into Senator Barrows's mouth, informs him it is cherry. Yeah, it's like the weirdest flex yeah. ever. It's also really, um, I think I think it reads exactly as it is meant to. Is he's trying to exercise power and like I feel like this is his attempt at a Bane moment where he puts his hand on the guy's shoulder and says do you feel in charge you know yeah that is his attempt at it but it is inherently awkward and weird yeah. and misguided the senator in question doesn't even know how to feel except reviled not intimidated it's a, <laughs> it's a funny one because this is one that the scene gets referenced when oh like when discussing the weirdness of Eisenberg's Lex. After the movie came out, this is just one of the things that that people talked about as when they when they talked about how how weird Lex was or would bring up as a I don't know a, a complaint about the movie or whatever. And yeah, it's a it's a weird moment, but it's looking at Lex putting it in his mouth is just it's a weird power trip thing. Yeah. But the moment the, the part about it that's always more interesting than that to me is the fact that Barrows takes it. Mm -hmm. If someone went to put something in your mouth, like that's a very, like a violating thing that like, you don't just put things in people's mouth, yeah. especially like he basically puts his finger in his mouth there. And that's so 
like it's supposed to be weird. It and I think it's very much demonstrating that like he's literally got him eating out of his hand, right? Yeah. I think from a very literal perspective, that's what it's saying. Yeah. But also, it's just how compliant Barrows is that he's going to let Lex do this like extremely violating thing to him for whatever reason. Obviously, he's got something that he's getting out of it also. And that is, I guess, the thing, even if you like just showed that one shot, it reads as Lex clearly does have the power here to do this. Yeah. And it's not like he, he doesn't even have to force it in. It's not no. like Barrow says no. And Lex is like, Shh, just, just take it. Just take it. Like he just, he puts it in his mouth and there's no resistance whatsoever. And Barrows is so confused by what this guy is that he kind of is just stunned yeah i do not know what is going on here and that is because i'm a normal person who deals with politics and power and this guy i'm now met with is not yeah it's it's unsettling and weird and i think it is made to see that while lex has power he is a weird dude this isn't we are not supposed to be envious or in awe of of his authority it's supposed to be like oh this guy has power and it is gross, and I don't know what he's going to do with it. <laughs> and, well, and it's entirely unnecessary, which I think is the, is the point. Lex yeah. doesn't need to do that at all. Like, he's already got what he wants. He's just kind of verifying, by the way, you know, you will eat out of my hand without questioning it. Yep. And the and the it's cherry is just, A, it's, you know, I think a reference to... Or, uh, or maybe not, not a reference, but it's it's a like it's all good or it's it's cool or don't worry about it kind of slang. Oh, really? Um, you think he's going like full on like uh, American graffiti? Yeah, almost. I mean, not. I mean, that fits very much with the type of stuff that he references. Right? Sure. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, I don't think it's like a like a super layered deep thing so much as he just <laughs> there's an element of it that's you know it's kind of got the double meaning of like it's literally cherry, but also like it's all it's all good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, added with the lay, with the you know, kind of layer that on top Trying of the to be cool. Yeah, the, yeah. You are eating a Jolly Rancher that I am, I am putting in your mouth. And like I said, the fact that it's a Jolly Rancher instead of like anything else that's like it's not like a Snickers bar or anything. Like he's he's so close to literally just having his finger like running along his gums is like <laughs> kind of basically how creepy that you is. Spent a me. lot of time obviously observing the contact made between these know. two men. I don't here. know exactly what it is. But it's just, it's, I would not accept that from some, like, like, if he did that to, like, an employee, like, I think they'd have, like, a sexual harassment claim. How, how much personal space is violated there? Yeah. Well, and they stepped into his office, right? Which is, of course. In the, it's, it's right out in the open air. So that's another sort of element of that also. It's not like they're behind closed doors and he's like, here, eat my Jolly Rancher. It's, it's like they're standing out, like, next to the basketball court, probably, right? People yep. are, like, still playing basketball around there if, you know, if that imaginary it's stage so, so game weird. is still going on. And he's like, yes, you are going to, all my employees are going to watch me feed you a Jolly Rancher. I don't know. It's like, I can't get over how much of a complete power trip or like flex that is on, on Lex's part. I guess <sighs> I say that Barrows doesn't resist it, but he almost does because he bites down yeah. on it at the, he, at, the, yeah. at the front of it, which forces Lex to push it in <sighs> with his with his finger. So it's not like he just opened his mouth and let him plop it in. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> this segment brought to you by Jolly Ranchers. It's cherry. Yeah. Speaking of eating things, we go to the biggest snack of this movie, uh, Henry Cavill. No, um, he's <laughs> cooking up some delicious breakfast in this apartment. I have to point out, we get, there's a wall of their apartment next to the kitchen that is like a yes, shop. Yes, the tools. I yes. love that it implies- It's so Kansas. Exactly. Oh, he's a farmer. I love that callback and he's home alone. 
I always read that as because Lois is working. Maybe that's just yeah. a reflection of my job working from home. But um, and uh, and Perry White is at the office going, "Where is he? Where wh- I don't know where he is. Why always. is he not here?" <laughs> but yeah, I guess this is where we get set into the movie a lot of the things that we were talking about previously about Superman, which is, I guess we learn now that the woman testifying is Kahina Ziri, played by Wonmi Musaku, who is obviously a witness, and she is being interviewed. There are two things, like, from this minute that I think we would would agree on, where she says, she basically says, like, the exact same thing that Amajog and Lois have now tried to communicate to Superman, which is, they say Superman is a hero. Okay, but who's hero? Yeah. It goes back to that same, you know, one question begs another. And I think the important thing is this time Clark is seeing a real person speaking directly to him, basically. And maybe I'm being optimistic in saying this, but it seems like where he was oblivious to politics and the Senate and terrorists in previous scenes. Now he's seeing somebody who is a victim and had a family and they are basically voicing the same things. And he is, he literally stops what he's doing and starts to listen. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is what was the, the last thing we saw from him other than Lois's hands clawing at his back yeah was he got in the tub because he was changing the topic away from her telling him that it mattered that he wasn't paying attention this is the perfect like relationship fight right where she's like you need to pay attention and he's like i'm paying attention just fine and then she's gone and he's like i'm gonna pay a little bit of attention yeah (laughs) okay maybe i'm maybe i'm seeing this and it is put into all she says in this minute like the line is broken up, but I think it works really well because she says that she's asked, what would you say to Superman if you had the chance? And she said, I would want to look him in his eye. Exactly. That's erasing, right? That's kind of the one thing that wasn't here so far is he's forced to think, what would I say? What would I do if this woman was in front of me telling me the the issue with what I've done, which she basically is through this television. And I think it's the perfect follow-up to last time we saw him, Lois says he's not listening. He says he doesn't care. He changes the topic. They have his glasses falling on the ground as like a a metaphor for he's not looking, he's not paying attention. And that was weeks ago that we talked about that. Mm -hmm. But really just a, you know, a a minute or two ago, that was right before the, uh, the bat cave, which was right before, right before Lex. And so now we cut back to him, you know, presumably what the next morning, Maybe or or weeks later, I don't know how fast this is all happening. Yeah, um, the Pegas, depending on how long on how long that whole all that Lex stuff took. Let's assume that it's the next morning or whatever. Yeah, but re- regardless, it's it's in reaction, I think, to the conversation he had with Lois. Now he's now paying attention, and yeah. not just to like what he's doing, but he's actually going back and and, and examining the the situation in Nairobi because that's the news report that he's watching. Yeah, and like we were saying before, examining the part of it that he should care about. So if you're going to call into question, like, why did, did he show up at the Capitol because he was, like, later in the movie because he was required to, I think this kind of plants the seeds of, like, no, he is, you know, he does care and he's learning to, because there was never any doubt that he cared. It was just that he didn't realize that the consequences of him saving people maybe impacted the way in which he went about it. Yeah. He just thought he could go and save people indiscriminately and nobody was was impacted by it other than the you know the immediate glory of you know oh i saved your life but you know what did i cost someone else in the process at what cost yeah yeah so we are halfway through finding out 
what uh, Kahina Ziri would say to Superman if she could. I guess we'll, we'll leave it there and we'll pick that up in the next minute. Until then, uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at BVS by the minute, and you can find us on iTunes, Google Music, Google Podcast, wherever your podcasts can be found. We should be there already. We, we welcome a, a five-star review or just recommend to somebody who might enjoy the podcast because that is the best way we can get new listeners. And we had new listeners reaching out and reviewing, and we continue to be thankful. I guess that we'll continue to be thankful into all eternity and time for as long as the internet exists, so probably like seven or eight years at least. Well, whenever people decide to stop talking about Batman v Superman, which at this rate is going to be when the internet goes away. Yeah, so like 2022 at least. <laughs> but right. uh, but hey, until then, it's Cherry. Yeah. We're here to tell a little story about why you shouldn't put things into your mouth when you don't know what they are, and why you should never take anything a stranger tries to give you. Why not? Because you could get very sick. Yeah, <gasps> I don't want to be sick. And that's why before you eat anything, you should always ask someone you love if it's okay. Okay, I love you. Can I eat the guitar? No. Oh. Don't you put it in your mouth. Don't you put it in your mouth. Don't you stuff it in your face. Don't stuff it in your face. Though it might look good to eat. Though it might look good to eat. And it might look good to taste. And it might look good to taste. You could get sick. Yuck!